Good afternoon. Welcome to the Fontenelle Final Bell here on the Rural Radio Network. I'm Susan Littlefield. A variety of things that we're going to be out today as we talk about oh, we're the other side of the election, post two days. So how has the dollar been hit by all of this? And, and that question that I have is, all this waiting, what type of effect is this going to have on our trade market? And would you believe, maybe we should have this as a, as a question quiz. When was the last time we had an inflationary area that affected agriculture like this? It's not the year you might think it is, as we're going to get all the details today coming from Sean Hackett. Sean is with Hackett Financial Advisors. And Sean, let's start here. We're on the other side of the election. And as I've been telling all my commodity folks this last two weeks, in no way does our discussion um, endorse one candidate over the other. This is just the facts that are affecting our market trade. Correct. And we're just trying to determine how uh, events that are presented to us might impact uh, the markets that we uh, that we look at here. And so, you know, the elections, is when it appears to us, and many is that Biden and Biden administration will get in with a very very split Congress, um, and, and and the market the market overall is viewing that combination Susan as a bullish inflationary scenario. I think they 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 feel that neither side, whether it's the Republican side or the Democratic side, can push through extreme policies that may or may not be good. Um, and I believe that the market is saying that the policies that do go come through, which would be fiscal stimulus, maybe infrastructure spending, uh, those kinds of things, are what both sides are likely to agree to. And the concept would be that that combination um, is going to lead to a weaker dollar, which uh, it has over the last couple of days, and we've been seeing over the last couple of months, and, and that's a reason for potentially repricing commodities and ag markets for that kind of, a, of environment. And, and as you alluded to in your introduction, we haven't, we haven't seen that since uh, 2012 was the last year. We actually had what I'd consider to be inflationary expectations in the market. And the real key factor here, uh, Susan, is that when everyone is in a deflationary mindset, buyers live hand to mouth, sellers are aggressive, and a, let's say a $1.5 billion bushel carryout uh, might mean 420 corn, as just an example. In an inflationary scenario, um, buyers uh, want more coverage um, and hoard more, and sellers are not as willing to sell, and you have a situation where the same fundamental, using the 1.5 billion dollars for carryout example, could mean 520 corn or 550 corn. You know, something higher with the same fundamental because. The, na- the structure and the psychology of the market is we're worried about higher prices now, not lower prices, and it changes people's behavior. So I think we could be really close to shifting that lever. And we've talked about this in your program before, and if we are, then the outlook for the next couple of years for ag prices looks pretty good. So, so how do you see the dollar being affected right now, not only on the short term, but let's look at the long term as we finish out 2020? Um, well, like I said, I, it looks to me that that if this election, uh, if we get confirmation that it, it is going to go and complete, all the votes have been counted and certified, it looks to me like it's going to continue or, or accelerate the dollar trend lower. Um, and that's going to continue to bring greater capital. We always talk about the speculative money that's been chasing stocks for a long time, but we might see a big shift in capital allocations away from those other assets that have been the only place to be and shifting a lot of that money into the commodity space and the ag space, which has been not the place to be for a long time. And 
you know, Michelle, uh, Susan, these, these markets, um, you know, aren't as liquid and big as the stock markets in the world. And so you, you get a 10% shift in capital um, allocation, and it kind of overruns our, it could overrun our market very easily. And so that could be what we're looking at here, a big shift in capital flows by the big investment flows that are out there in the world right now. So, so do we expect, that even though there is a waiting game going on, do we see that affecting our trade markets, or is it just business as usual? Well, look, you know, one of the exciting parts of the latter back half of this year has been the fantastic exports of grains and livestock. Um, some of the best we've seen in a long time. Some of the best, arguably, in some markets that we've ever seen. And uh, certainly China is a part of that, but there's also been a lot of big buying from other countries, not just the Chinese. And so I think we're already beginning to see uh, the benefit of our exports increasing, which, as you know, in the last few years, the Achilles heel to our market, we just couldn't get the export demand going. It was always a struggle. Um, and, and now we're getting the flip side of that where we're just every week, we're just getting to cover off the ball on these exports. And, the, and even this week, the deliveries are starting to pick up. Actually, we're, we're, we're booking it, but now we're moving it. And it's, um, we, haven't, we haven't had a demand-driven market in a long time on exports, and, but that's a consequence of not only the current dollar weakness, but the market's expecting further dollar weakness, and so their mindset is better buy today because it's going to be more expensive tomorrow. That's the inflationary mindset that a weaker dollar in this um, overall fiscal stimulus, uh, Federal Reserve stimulus environment that we're in that appears to be ready to accelerate with this election is going to bring to our markets here in the U.S. You know, I do find it interesting. I think it was at 73 million bushels of beans went out of the port last week. I mean, it shows the appetite definitely is there. Well, yeah, I mean, one of the things that we wanted to monitor closely was did they just did they just put a bunch of orders on the books uh, as a hedge and, 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 and we're going to actually start taking, you know, we're going to see big deliveries and all of a sudden now we are seeing the big deliveries that those orders were just for show were starting to collect the dough, as we say. And so that's a very good sign when physical product is moving out that you know, these orders are going to be filled, and uh, and that means that's that's where your physical supply begins to fall away in, uh, in the in the uh, in the country um, when that when those shipments actually accelerate. So very very good sign. I think obviously in the soybean market the last couple of days it got really excited by, by those big shipments we saw. Very much. Well, stick around, folks. We come back and we're going to continue our conversation as we will flip to the livestock side, talk a little dairy as well, since Sean Hackett is joining us. It's the Fontenelle Final Bell on the Rural Radio Network. Welcome back to the Fontenelle Final Bell here on the Rural Radio Network. I'm Susan Littlefield. Quick note, we are broadcasting today from the Nebraska Soybean Board Studio, which is brought to you by the Nebraska Soybean Farmers and their checkoff. And uh, I love the conversations I get to have during the commercial breaks. And, and of course, Sean Hackett is joining us with Hackett Financial Advisors. And you made the comment about the boy that called Wolf. And for so long, you and I have been talking about this inflationary, things that are happening with the dollar, what's going to happen with these trade markets. And finally, all this talk that we've been doing for months, you're starting to see some reality hit with it. Big time reality. Big time reality. I mean, um, it, it takes a while you can see these signposts coming for a long time without the market reacting. And then all of a sudden you get this culmination and a sea change in sentiment and then boom. And then everyone shifts into a different gear. And it's hard to just remember it was just not that long ago, but early August, everyone was still in the deflationary mindset. Um, and yet now here we are 
just a few months down the road, and now everyone is, you know, talking about how we've entered a, you know, a ten-year inflationary cycle. It have, it, it really did not happen that fast. It's been building for a long time, but the psychology finally shifted, and so the little boy who cried wolf is now the little boy who told the truth. <laughs> so. Are we going to continue to see ethanol margins remain on the tight side, especially as we start heading towards the winter months and COVID issues still continuing? You know, unless we get some really big exports, Susan, that can take some of the supply off our hands, because um, it's going to be hard to get ethanol margins to be exciting, because we do think, for better or for worse, I mean, it looks like these infections are going to continue to be a problem, um, and we might get some regional lockdowns again. I know Europe's already doing it, so... It wouldn't be a surprise that maybe certain areas of our country do some kind of lockdowns again. And it's just not, you know, it's not a good sign for, for gasoline consumption, which, of course, is a huge uh, part of domestic demand for ethanol. So, you know, I know there's been some talks sniffing around that maybe some big exports could be had uh, with U.S. ethanol leaving the country. You know, I'm not, I'm not, gonna, I'm not comfortable betting on that. I'll bet on that we're not going to see that right now just because we haven't, you know, there's no evidence to the point. But, um I think we're going to stay pretty tight, especially if corn were to head higher. It's going to get even harder to, to justify, um, you know, those you know, to keep the margins, you know, remotely favorable at this point. Let's look at the on the livestock side. Is is you do when we talk uh, livestock? This dairy market. How are things settling up in this final final quarter for twenty twenty? Well, the dairy market. The big big question with this, what appears to be this change in the administration from. President Trump to President-elect uh, Biden, um, is will the cheese buy program continue? The food box program where, where the, the U.S. government is buying 5% of milk through buying cheese. Is that program going to continue beyond the fourth quarter or not? Um, if it does not continue, then there could be some really nasty um, you know, negative consequences to the first half last year milk price. Um, if it continues, then, then the prospects are better. And so our general take is that listening to what the Biden administration has said leading up to the election, that they're going to be less favorable to direct purchases of cheese and, and, and the food box program. So we'd be a little concerned uh, that maybe some of this exciting price and, and, and that we've seen in the class three market that's given dairy farmers uh, a, a lease on life you, know, you may not continue at least for a little while, and we'd certainly be looking at locking in some some of those prices. If I'm in the dairy business, you know, locking in those cash prices for the first half of the year in case that is in fact what happens. We're concerned it could be a, a nasty spill before maybe uh, you know, the market finds itself back to where real demand is at this point. So we're, we're worried about that market, Susan. We are you know kind of concerned that that may not continue beyond the fourth quarter here. Sean, are you guys worried that we might see an influx of, of older cows going to market and then having it take a toll on, on the beef market when it comes to hamburger, for example? We are. You know, we are. I mean, we're getting a little lift here in cattle, kind of a typical, typical seasonal thing into the, into the uh, uh, you know, Thanksgiving uh, weekend. But, you know, we, we do think there could be a supply-demand uh, mismatch here, a bearish supply-demand mismatch after Thanksgiving, um, especially if we continue to have headwinds of this virus, you know, greater headwinds of slowing down the economy. And, you know, we, we know that beef demand is, is extremely economical, and if we are going to bring some of these older animals to the market for the 
50 percent of the market it just doesn't look promising to us beyond thanksgiving we think we're okay between now and then and we'd be looking to price some battle uh you know here between now and then to make sure we don't get caught with kind of a demand air pocket here all right sean what's the best way for folks to get a hold of you our website's Hackett, H-A-C-K-E-T-T, advisors.com. Lots of great information on there to decide whether what we do might be of value to your listeners. All right. Thanks so much. Sean Hackett's been joining us today. Just a reminder, commodity futures and options do involve substantial risk of loss, and they're not suitable for all investors. That is the Fontenelle Final Bell being brought to you by Fontenelle Hybrids and all your local Fontenelle dealers. You can check this out as a podcast at rowradio.com, wherever you subscribe, and it's on Spotify as well. That's the Fontenelle Final Bell right here on the Rural Radio Network.